0: Hey, everybody. Coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, the word of the day is marriage. The silver bullet, the secret pill, the magic wand. Well, we have none of those on the show today, but we do have some advice from a marriage expert and professor at Brigham Young University up next on the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Good afternoon, I'm Devin Dewey for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Seven American troops were killed in a helicopter crash in Afghanistan.
2: U.S. officials say three of the seven were special operators, including a pair of Navy SEALs.
3: As of this time, the cause of that crash is still under investigation.
2: Shortly after White House Press Secretary Jake Harney spoke, American officials said initial reports indicated the helicopter was not shot down though the Taliban claim their fighters were responsible for bringing it down. Four others on board were also killed, including three Afghan security force members. Sagar Megani Washington. The U.N. Security Council is changing strategies
1: in Syria.
3: The Security Council bowed to reality in Syria. It agreed to let its military observer mission, known by the acronym UNSMIS, expire. Council President Gerard Araud of France says the force, confined to hotels by violence the past two months, will be replaced by a much smaller political observer mission. UNSMIS will fade out. But there will be, uh, what is the most important, there will be a U.N. presence. Russia, which has vetoed three proposed resolutions to press the Syrian government into ending the fighting, has asked significant Security Council ambassadors to a meeting to find ways of stopping what increasingly looks like a civil war. Warren Levinson, New York.
1: Meanwhile, Syrian forces have leveled a neighborhood, killing dozens.
2: Human rights watch charges Syrian airstrikes destroyed a neighborhood in the rebel-held northern city of Azaz, killing about 40 and wounding 100. AP reporters saw nine bodies, including a baby. The rights group called the scene horrific. The fighting threatens to spread to neighboring Lebanon. Shiite clans there say they've kidnapped dozens of Syrians, demanding the release of a relative by the rebels. Lebanon has its own sectarian tensions. The Syrian civil war could set them off. Mark Levy, Cairo.
1: And Mitt Romney says President Obama is running a campaign of hate.
4: Romney repeated the charge at a South Carolina news conference.
3: The kind of uh, divisiveness that I think is unbecoming of the presidency. And
4: he cites Vice President Biden's remark to an audience including blacks that Romney's plans for Wall Street would put y'all back in chains, admitting Biden's word choice
3: wasn't the best. White House press secretary Jake
2: Carney calls it a non-issue, an attempt to distract attention from the issues when one side is losing the debate over the issues. Former GOP
4: hopeful John McCain says the president would do well to drop Biden from the t- one place I would not go for advice on running mates is to Senator McCain. Mark Smith at the White House.
1: You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Devin Dewey.
0: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. We're broadcasting live this week at Education Week at Brigham Young University at the Wilkinson Center right on the campus of Brigham Young University where 20,000 people have gathered to improve their education, to learn more about life. Uh, They're taking classes, about 1,000 classes this week on education, religion, marriage and family, genealogy, their health, history, and so many more And they're just walking around, uh, filling their brains full of stuff. Now, this entire week, we've been coming to you live. We've been talking about uh, a bunch of different topics, continuing your education. We talked about stress. We're going to be talking about marriage today and get into some of the tools and the keys to a healthier, happier marriage. And so we welcome you all to the program. We hope you're enjoying this educational uh, experience. It's great for all of us. There are about literally 20,000 people on campus taking classes a thousand classes with 200 different teachers uh, these are educators these are speakers professionals in the field uh that they're that they specialized in and uh people come and they learn and so we welcome you and in, hope you enjoy it with us now as part of our kickoff today we're going to be talking about marriage and we're going to be bringing in a scholar an expert in marriage and family a family coach dr david dolehite uh, who really at Brigham Young University is at one of their stellar scholars in the field of marriage and family. But before we get there, we wanted to do a little quiz. And so we're bringing in some of our just just some of the participants that have been walking around today. Bob and Kathy from Draper. Welcome to the show, you guys.
3: Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Are Hi. you are you
0: ready for this? I'm ready. I think so. You seem nervous. <laughs> yes, okay, we now, are. Now, we got to tell you, for those listeners, 43 years Forty of marriage.
3: 43 blissful years.
0: Blissful. You always say blissful.
3: Yeah, never an argument. Wow. Sane argument.
0: Yeah, she's rolling her eyes. <laughs> never a sane argument. <laughs> All your arguments are insane, haven't they, been? That's <laughs> just good, a few, Just so a few. So Bob and Kathy from Draper, uh, 43 years, blissfully married. How many children? Five. Five beautiful gifts from heaven. Yes. And they're just... i got to
3: remember that. Okay, keep yeah, remembering that, right? Okay, <laughs> okay. you ready for
0: our quiz? All right, here okay. we go. So it's just going to be true or false or maybe. True or false. Shake your pick. Are you ready? Question number one. When parents don't get along, children are better off if their parents divorce than if they stay together. True or false or maybe?
2: Stay I would say together. false.
0: False is what you're saying. What would you say?
3: I'm not going to argue with my wife.
0: No. You don't want to start a fight now. No, I don't want to start 43 years into this. The answer is actually maybe. But what people think, right, is that if, if we don't get along, we need to divorce. It's not good for the kids to see us uh, not getting along. It's we deserve not good something to argue better.
3: in front of children. Now, the research
0: actually says that. that uh, The study discovered that it was only, this is a, a national long-term study, said that divorce might not be the answer in most divorces. Mm-hmm. Because um, it, even if you're unhappy, it's not always the answer. Here's why. The study discovered that it was the only the children in very high-conflict homes who benefited from their parents divorcing. Children in lower conflict uh, marriages that end in divorce, which tends to be about two thirds of the divorces, they don't tend to do better off if their parents divorce. So it's really only in the high conflict divorces or the high conflict marriages with lots of fighting that it usually would warrant it. Okay, so good, you're pretty accurate there.
3: Very good, we like to stay away from children as far as okay. argue, being argued. You don't want to argue? No, I don't kids. want to
0: argue. How about the grandkids?
3: Them, especially them.
0: That's good. Very good. You have to
3: be a perfect example.
0: Okay, you ready for this one? Statistically speaking, couples that are married are happier than those that are unmarried.
5: True. I agree with that. you
0: believe true? The answer is true. True. All right. A survey of 18,000 adults in 17 industrialized nations found that married persons have a significantly higher level of happiness than unmarried adults do. Even after controlling for health and financial status.
2: Yes.
3: I write that. We are happy 10,000 times a day. (laughs)
2: He's an old school teacher. Oh, you you do that. That makes
0: it work. you do it on the chalkboard? On the chalkboard. You do it as a school teacher. Good. Uh, Number three. Oh, this is interesting. Marital problems, That uh, do they tend to affect a man's productivity at work more or a woman's productivity?
3: Both.
0: I think it depends on whether the woman is at home or
5: out in the field
0: working interesting you guys see your 43 years may be paying off the yeah. answer is true according to long-standing yeah. Yeah, research you know. by the marriage researchers howard markman and scott stanley it is true that marital problems do tend to affect a man's productivity more at work than a woman's isn't that weird because we think men are unaffected that we men don't care about their marriage but it's not true no it's not, it's not. is it bob no it's not And true. when i yelled <laughs> I you sat right up that's exactly. good. I'm clicking my heels. Okay, let's do a couple more and we're out of here. Uh, oh, here's one. You hear of all these people cohabitating?
3: Cohabitating?
0: Living together? Yeah. Shacking up, well, as terrible. they call it out on the street. Terrible. Living with your partner prior to marriage significantly decreases problems and the risk of problems in the marriage. True or false? False. False.
3: False. You said it. Adds it adds more false. to it.
0: Many studies have found that couples who live together before marriage have less satisfying marriages and a considerably higher chance of eventually breaking up. One reason for this is that people who cohabitate may be more skittish of commitments and more likely to call it quits when problems arise.
3: We're talking about the Hollywood mode. You're wrong. Is
0: that the Hollywood mode? Okay, let's uh, do one more. We've got to make this one a good one for you because you guys need to win your mint. We, oh, give away, okay. we give away a truffle mint with you, you guys for participating, <laughs> which ought to get you another 43 years in your marriage. <laughs> They're so good. Okay. Uh, having children. How many kids? Five. Five beautiful gifts. Having children typically brings a married couple closer together and increases marital happiness.
1: True. Yes.
0: The answer is false.
3: Really? You got to be kidding.
0: Many studies have shown that the arrival of the first baby commonly has the effect of pushing the mother and father further apart and bringing stress to the marriage.
2: You sure that Right.
0: Isn't that weird? I However think that's
2: right. <laughs> you'd think it would solidify
1: the
0: family. Well it I mean, does. It, you know, you have more children if you want to work for the family. You, sh- you think so, huh? But yeah. apparently it stresses us out, which is why we're gonna be talking about marriage Instead, today because we want you makes your hair go gray.
3: It makes your hair go. Are bo- you pointing gray. to your
0: hair, Bob? Yes. Well, these
3: are playground incidents, but it might be marital then, huh? that's right.
0: It could be marital, it could be your family, it could be your children. Oh my But gosh. we appreciate you joining us. That was a simple test. You passed it and you have earned yourself two truffles.
3: Thank you. Thank you more troubles, is and that it so <laughs> i and
0: so and we wish you another happy 43 years well
3: thank you so much
0: thank you do you want 43 we'll see you more back in draper okay good to see you guys good thank, you. You. thank bob you bob and kathy from draper utah so appreciate them on our quiz today and uh they're giving them a hand these people have become famous and uh we're now going to be um preparing as we take our break to bring on one of our professors a leading expert in marriage and family he's a family coach uh, a Ph.D. here at Brigham Young University in the Family Social Science, Professor of Family Life at Brigham Young University. We'll be back with him, Dr. David Dolahite, and bringing on more tools, ideas, the things you need to know to make your marriages last for eternity, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
2: Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio.
6: Coming up, how looking at solar flares shares something in common with your next medical x-ray.
2: This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future.
6: The next time you go to a hospital to get an X-ray taken, you can thank NASA for an innovation that makes that X-ray machine better and safer to use. When NASA launched a special imager for studying solar flares, they broke new ground in how to look at X-rays from space. The imager is something like a telescope, but instead of bending and focusing visible light with glass lenses, it had to bend and focus X-rays coming from the sun. Glass doesn't cut it for this job. The lens for a solar spectroscopic imager uses complex grids of metals called collimators to do the jobs of lenses and filters. Virginia-based microsystems worked with NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center to develop these grids and the unique methods of building them to high precision. The space probe was an outstanding success, imaging over 50,000 solar flares. But the good news for your broken bones is this grid technology is now inside hospital X-ray machines giving it the same space-grade precision and quality while using less radiation. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino.
2: Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us.
7: There's an answer to every question, a solution to every problem.
2: What place should the provision of education or healthcare occupy on the list of social and political priorities?
7: Join a group of leading scholars and experts in the conversation about practical and constructive solutions to today's societal issues. BYU's Wheatley Forum shares motivating and inspiring ideas on the present and future of our world today. Join us on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show, broadcasting live at the campus of Brigham Young University, right here in the Wilkinson Center. And we are in the middle of education week, where uh, we gather and start learning everything we can about marriage and life and family and health and everything there is to know just to make it through this crazy thing we call life. Welcome back to the show, everybody. And uh, in a few minutes, we're going to be bringing on uh, the resident expert at Brigham Young University, one of their top-notch faculty members, uh, uh, David Dola-Height, Dr. David Dolaheit, uh, author. We'll get into it. We'll get into all of his great stuff. But before we do, one of our producers, Bryce, remember Bryce, the one that rants a lot? Bryce has never been married before, but that's not going to stop him from telling us what we need to do when it comes
5: to being married. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. Healthy marriages are cool and all, but after spending some time on the internet, everyone seems to be singing the same song when it comes to advice on what to do right. And unless I've been out of the loop for a while, and divorces have recently disappeared, what they have to say must not be having much of an effect... So I'm taking this whole thing in a different direction. I found a pretty bad list, but even still, here's a few great ways to mess up a marriage. My first favorite is downplaying. This one's always fun. Here's how it goes. Hi, spouse. I'm having this problem in my world, and I'm having trouble solving it, and I could really use a sounding board for feedback. Other spouse replies, oh, don't worry, you'll figure it out. And by saying that, other spouse has been as unhelpful as possible. In fact, I would venture to say that listening and saying nothing at all probably would have been more helpful. So as I moved down this list, I ran into one that raised an eyebrow. Cooking your spouse's least favorite foods on purpose. I mean, I dated a girl who loved onions, and my body instantly rejects onions the same way a popular girl in high school rejects a nerdy boy asking her to prom. So as you could imagine, that caused a few riffs when it came to onion breath. But seriously, do people actually do this? On the list, there isn't really much of an explanation, but I'm gonna take a few stabs at it. Do you do this because you want all the food to yourself? If so, that's kinda selfish, and totally mean. Or do you do it to spite them? Because that also sounds like you've got a deeper problem going on, and the choice of food is merely the symptom. Another one that made me laugh, not necessarily because it's funny, but because I see it all the time among newly married college kids, this one is belittling your spouse in front of people. Because after all, you know what they say, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will hurt forever. There is a fine line between making a fun jab at someone and emotionally shredding them. And I think couples have a problem with this because they may be a little too confident in the resilience of their relationship, and they most certainly know too much about each other. They just have too much ammunition to work with. I also think this gets out of hand because out in public, you're less likely to turn to your spouse and say, hey, what you said was awful, and now I'm going to go drown my sorrows in a bag of chips and then maybe a few brownies. Because that would cause an awkward silence, and that's not allowed while socializing. What do you do? You smile, you laugh it off. Because that's what you do in public. And then your spouse thinks you're taking it in good spirits when in reality you withered a bit inside. Let's get real. Why am I bringing this stuff up? Mostly because it's fun to joke about. But if I were to take it in a much better direction, it's because I, in a non-scolding sort of way, want to point out a few things that you may be doing wrong or some bad habits that you may be starting so that you can get started on tweaking and getting rid of them. It's for the greater good, I promise. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. It is for the greater good. Good job, Bryce.
0: Who to thunk it? He's got great wisdom in that young man. <laughs> I used to make jokes about his age being 16, but I got in trouble for that so I'm not going to pretend like he's 16 anymore. He's 17. Uh, welcome back to the show everybody the Matt Townsend show and we are broadcasting from Brigham Young University's Education Week and we've got a great um, a great resource that we're going to be picking their brain tonight today. Uh, Dr. David Daheitte Dalahite is a professor of family life at Brigham Young University. He specializes in the effects of religion on marriage, family life, and youth. He uh, received his B.A. and his master's from Brigham Young University, then went to the University of Minnesota where he received a Ph.D., published over 60 scholarly articles, has edited 40 or four books, and he doesn't like to be called The Man, The Myth, The Legend. Right, David?
4: I'm definitely not the leading expert at BYU in marriage. There's a number of folks here that study that that are much better known than I am. Yeah. But I'm one of a number of folks at BYU that enjoys uh, studying and teaching about marriage and family and how to strengthen marriage and family.
0: Because it's a big deal, right? I mean, we can't underestimate the impact of our marriages in our families and in life and in society. But as, So as somebody that's been working on it for 30 years directly and then a father of seven, and you've been working on marriage then. For How long have you been married,
4: Dave? Uh, coming up on 29 years this month.
0: 29 years of wedded bliss, as our earlier guest wedded Bob said. Wedded bliss for
4: me, uh, f- uh, challenges torturous. and patience development for my wife, yes. Good.
0: What have you learned? So as you sit down and kind of start, just as we kind of begin the conversation about marriage, what have you learned just personally? I mean, you've done the academic stuff. You've studied it all. What is it for you? What is, what is the big deal? Why is marriage so hard? Why is, it, why is the divorce rate so high?
4: Yeah, you know, you hear that saying sometimes, love means never having to say you're sorry. That, uh, a greater uh, piece of nonsense has never been spoken than yeah. that. Uh, in fact, love and sustaining a, a marriage over challenges and a long time means often saying you're sorry and uh, doing so uh, sincerely and enthusiastically and meaningfully. And um, my own experience has been consistent with what the research has found, which is that those couples in which, particularly the husband, is willing to be responsive and uh, make changes that are requested uh, and willing to grow and progress, uh, those marriages tend to do well. Uh, Marriages in which either person, but particularly the husband, is uh, unwilling to change, inflexible, uh, thinks that they're right yeah. all the time. Uh, those marriages struggle in serious ways. So I think you know, uh, working hard and being um, willing to change, and not just willing, but but wanting to grow, wanting to change, wanting to continually strengthen the marriage so that it's um, uh, improving, getting better. A lot of couples think that once you um, get married, you've arrived. Yeah, you can kind is. of coast. You, you, you've you've achieved that that lifelong hope, and now you can just kind of relax. But in reality, uh, uh, the work really begins yeah. after marriage. Game and on. those couples that get that uh, do much better than those couples that say, you know, now we're married. Yeah. We can focus on our jobs, our careers, our hobbies, our uh, you know, our kids, extended families, yeah. our kids, our home, our all those uh, demanding you know, entertainments and so forth. All those things that demand time. Uh, those couples who understand that they're going to have to continually strengthen their marriage yeah. and give it time and be intentional about their relationship, those couples tend to do fine. Those couples who, in various ways, uh, don't pay attention to each other and to their relationship. Uh, tend to struggle that's a
0: see it's interesting, and it's interesting you brought up the men because I, I guess statistically more women file for divorce right yes. if, was, I, if, if the statistics are still accurate, seventy ish percent are that's filed right. by women
4: and the research shows that uh, you know in couples uh, most often the wife is less happy than the husband. Yeah.
0: What is that? Is it just are we less responsive as men is it it's just not as much of our nature we're not as nurturing?
4: I think women understand that the marriage is the most important relationship. They're uh, they're likely to have that um, be the main focus of their energies. Their 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 I mean, of course, their their kids as well. But I think women get it that it's uh, it's very important to invest and to work on that. A lot of guys think, hey, you know, I'm uh, I'm being faithful. I'm providing. I come home at night. I don't yeah, what's beat the her. Deal? I don't drink. What's wrong? Yeah. Uh, and so. Um, the, the one of the main, if not the main, factors is uh, a, a responsive husband. One, one of my friends, um, you know, when I sort of we were talking about marriage, he said that he and his wife uh, discovered the secret to marital happiness early in their relationship. He said, "I learned that uh, I don't try to run her life and I don't try to run mine." <laughs> and that, that's exaggerated. That, that, that's a, that's yeah. a, a funny way of saying. Uh, marriages in which the the guy gets it—they're present, they're in, they're engaged in the yeah. relationship. They're, in fact, you know, one of the very good you know research projects on marriage, John Gottman's work, finds that you know when men are disengaged, when they're um, just simply not trying, uh, those marriages tend to have a very high failure rate. And so, you know, most women understand that a guy's gonna not. You know, he's, he's going to disappoint her sometimes. Yeah. He's not going to do everything right, but if he's trying, if he's working on it, if he's engaged, if he's listening, if he's if he's trying to to be responsive, um, that's that's right. a huge thing.
0: You don't have to be perfect. It's just they just need to see energy. They need to see a desire, yeah. some hope, some plan. Yeah. It's interesting. Just having a plan that we're going to work on yeah. something seems to help.
4: One, one of the things I focus, the main thing I focus in my research is the effects of religious beliefs and practices on marriage. And one of the things that we find is that religious couples tend to do better in many ways than non-religious couples. Those couples who are very involved in their faith community. And it can be any um, faith. Any faith. They tend to do better. And one of the reasons why I've learned from my interviews with uh, lots of different couples in various parts of the country. Of various faiths one of the reasons why they tend to do better in marriage is because religion you know you go to church go to synagogue go to mosque on a regular basis you're um, you're engaged in getting better as a person right you're trying to you know repent of what you're doing wrong you're trying to live up to some high ideals of fidelity and and honesty and kindness and generosity and so forth And much of religious faith involves teaching people how to be more loving, more patient, more understanding, more forgiving. And all those things make a huge difference in marriage. And so religious couples have kind of a leg up, kind of an advantage uh, uh, over those who are not particular. Not to say that there aren't many good marriages among couples that aren't religious. Not to say that there aren't many bad marriages among religious people, of course. But on average, the studies are pretty clear that religion brings some real benefits. And one of them is you know, problem solving. It's yeah. when couples are having some conflicts and some trouble, um, people that can turn to their sacred texts. They can in prayer, ask God to help them. They can go to a, maybe a religious leader yeah. who can counsel. They're attending religious services in which you know, sermons are being given that encourage people to be, you know, uh, engaged to to be uh, involved with you know the, with their family to put put their priorities straight, not to be focused on material things. And all those kinds of messages yeah. can have a very positive effect on men. Well it
0: sounds like the top self help books. I mean every principle you just lifted there, I guarantee there's a Doctor Phil, a yeah. Doctor Lara book all about that. Exactly. And it sounds like what they're just spewing is our principles. Kind of these universal truths, these from sacred texts even. Yeah. It's powerful, and it's well, a structure. You're saying it's this—it's a paradigm that you kind of place over the relationship, protect it. Which is, I guess, why we marry in religious settings so much.
4: Yeah, and most—you know—to this day, most marriages take place in a religious setting. And and of those couples I interviewed, uh, many of them talked about how they take those vows seriously. It wasn't just something that was said ten, twenty, thirty years ago that those vows are still important, that they take them seriously, and that that benefits you. We've also learned that commitment is hugely important. A lot of people say, well, communication is the most important thing in marriage. Yeah, communication matters, but commitment is more important. If you're committed to the relationship, then you'll learn how to communicate. Uh, And if you're communicating unkind things then being able to do that better is not helpful
0: yeah honesty if it's rude exactly it's
4: not so so religion um you know there's a lot of reasons why religion benefits marriage and family but you know at least one of those is it does tend to strengthen the commitment and that makes a a huge difference in people's willingness to stick in there when times get tough i mean you cited some research earlier yeah Uh, it's really important that every marriage has ups and downs every couple has problems every couple has struggles Religious beliefs and practices in communities tend to give people just a little bit more resources to help them address those yeah. problems, hang in there when things get In tough.
0: context of this bigger hole that, exactly. okay, this is a hiccup now, but in the context of life and your afterlife, it's It's exactly. nothing.
4: Yeah, one of the things that you know a lot of couples I interviewed would say something like, you know, we, we're committed to our marriage. Divorce is not an option. We're, we're not yeah. going anywhere. I'm in. So we need to solve this. Yeah. We're all in. So, so let's figure out how to solve this. As Love opposed that. to in many non-religious marriages, um, the commitment may be I'll hang in there until I'm not happy anymore. Mm-hmm. Or I'll hang in there... Until I find someone, it's not better. fair.
0: It's not fair. Exactly. You hear that a lot. I hear exactly. that a lot from my six-year-old too. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of the same theory, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, exactly. it's interesting. Um, I think I think that's the key. And what I want to do, David, when we come back, I want to get into. Um, how and what are some of the principles what are the principles you teach what are the what are some of the principles you've been teaching here on campus this week during education week what are the real kind of universal concepts you've mentioned a bunch of them but if we can go in depth on some of them and just i guess you know better than anyone just prioritize tell us what we need to know to make this i mean maybe let's get to commitment too because commitment, of all things, okay. seems like a tough fight. Dr. David Dallahite, uh professor of family life at Brigham Young University, is with us. We'll be back talking marriages on the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sirius XM
3: 143
5: BYU Radio. BYU Radio is your home for Cougar sports. And after each weekend's action, don't miss True Blue. Each week, join host Dave McCann and the entire True Blue team as they bring you highlights, analysis, and interviews from all the major BYU sports. New episodes air every Monday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time with repeats Tuesdays at 12.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Here on the home of Cougar sports, Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio.
1: Good afternoon, I'm Devin Dewey for SiriusXM XM 143 BYU Radio. Mitt Romney says Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid's comment that he paid no taxes for some years is completely false.
2: Reid has said it's possible the reason Romney has refused to release more than two years of tax returns is because he did not want to reveal he had not paid taxes. Romney tells reporters in South Carolina that's totally false.
3: Every year I've paid at least 13 percent. And when you
2: factor in what he's given to charity...
3: while well, the number gets well above 20 percent.
2: Romney has released his 2010 tax return and says last year's version will come out before the election. Sagar Meghani, Washington.
1: The Justice Department has ordered changes in Verizon's joint
3: venture deals with cable companies. The deals are between Verizon and the nation's four largest cable companies, Comcast, Time Warner, Bright House, and Cox. Acting Assistant Attorney General Joseph Whelan says consumers would have been hurt without the changes ordered. Competition among these companies would have diminished, and consumers would have ultimately been harmed by paying higher prices and
2: receiving lower quality services.
3: One of the changes prohibits Verizon from selling the cable company's products in the same areas where it sells its competing Fios services. David Melendy, Washington.
1: Facebook stock hit a new low in morning trading today, falling just
3: below $20 a share. Scott Kessler, who follows the social networking company at Standard & Poor's, recently shifted his outlook from negative to positive, and he says with Facebook now trading at barely half its IPO price, the latest bit of news presents a buying opportunity. The bigger concern is not
2: necessarily whether these holders sell shares, but what the perceptions are related to what they might do.
3: Kessler says he doesn't think many of the shares freed up by the expiration will come on the market at this price. And the thing to remember about Facebook is it has $10 billion in cash and no debt. Warren Levinson, New York.
1: And a new report says drought conditions are getting worse in some states.
3: The National Climatic Data Center says the amount of land suffering exceptional drought spiked in Kansas and Nebraska. In the nation's leader in corn production, Iowa, drought conditions eased a bit thanks to recent storms. Severe weather rolled through parts of the nation's midsection last week, offering some much-needed relief to farmers punished for months by the widest U.S. drought in decades. The Agriculture Department has twice cut its forecast for corn and soybean output because of the drought. I'm Ed Donahue.
1: You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Devin Dewey.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show, broadcasting live from the Wilkinson Center on the campus of Brigham Young University. We are talking to Dr. David Dollaheit, professor of family life at Brigham Young University, about marriage and uh, some of the principles behind a successful, healthy, happy marriage. One of the things we've just mentioned is some of the research that he's been working on is the importance of um, having some religious tradition, kind of some spirituality in the relationship and the family and uh, the impact that that has. But uh, welcome back, Dr. Dollahue. Thank you. Appreciate you being here. I mean, marriage, it's huge. As I was raised in a family where my parents divorced when I was uh, eight years old, and uh, it's a big deal. And it impacts a variety of things, a variety of ways. But uh, what do we do? So what are the principles that you've been teaching here and you had classes? What are the principles that stand out for you that as some guys driving home, maybe had a fight with his wife this morning and is about to pull into the driveway, what are some things that we should be doing better, even as guys, I guess, to stay more present?
4: Well, I think one of the main principles is to re- remember that marriage is work. Uh, we, we tend to focus on all the you know, enjoyable, romantic, fun um, parts of marriage, and, and there's that. But it's hard work. And so one of the things you, you know, said, what what do I think about as I'm driving home? Uh, one of the fathers that we work we have a website called fatherwork.byu.edu, in which we have about 300 pages worth of material about strengthening fathers. And one of the fathers, uh, we, yeah. we use the term father work because a lot of men think, okay, well, I've worked hard all day. Now I'm going to go home and relax. And relaxing is good. Yeah. But... If you think I'm going to go home and not do any more work and you're not remembering, "Uh uh-oh, the most important work that I do is what I do in my own home. The most important work I do is not what I do at the office or at the shop. The most important work I do is with my wife and with my children. So one of the dads uh, that commented on our webpage said that he came up with this for him This key to him being the kind of father and husband that he wanted to be. And that is, on his way home from work every day, he just said to himself over and over, kinda like a mantra, now my most important work Ah, begins. Now my most important work begins. And so he instead of you know de stressing and thinking about the job and what he did or didn't say to the boss or what he did or didn't do with the coworker, he's spending that twenty minutes in the car on the way home thinking what can I do to strengthen my marriage? What can I do to strengthen yeah. my relationship with my children? How can I resolve that conflict that my wife and I had this morning? It's
0: almost like psyching yourself up to get It's, it's like an athlete about to go compete and do something healthy. Yeah. What can I do now?
4: Yeah, it's interesting because
0: if you don't turn it that way, it's not like it's naturally going to go that way. No, it won't. It's naturally going to go to the couch. To the Lazy Boy and to ESPN. That's exactly that's where, it where goes. I take it, and, 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 it that,
4: and that's one of the reasons why you know many women um, struggle in marriage is because they understand that their husbands work hard and that they're doing a good job providing, and they understand that they're tired and want to have some some time to de stress from their job. But if the guy comes home and never turns his attention and his energy and his right. effort. If he sits and relaxes and engages now with the TV or engages with the video game or engages with the project in the uh, garage or engages with the buddies on the golf course, and he never really engages in an enthusiastic, meaningful, sustained way with his wife and with his kids, that sends a pretty clear oh, message yeah. of where his priorities are. It's yeah, what are he, you supposed not to? Not that think. he doesn't have energy. He's right. got energy, but he's not spending that energy with me and with us. And. Again, that's where religion can make such a big difference is because uh, religious teachings, religious texts, religious leaders tend to call men and women to be better than they are. They tend to call them to the most important things in life, which are relationships. And the marriage and family relationships are the most important relationships that we have. And so men and women who understand that yeah, they need to provide a living, yeah, they need to take care of the of the groceries and the budget and the and the chores and Yeah, they need to talk with their kids about their homework, and yeah, they need to, you know, they need to do all that stuff. But what they really ought to be focused on is strengthening relationships. And those guys and gals who get that, and most gals get that. Yeah. So it often is the guys who need a little bit of reminding and encouragement that, hey, um, you're a smart guy, you're a hard worker. Now take that energy and those smarts and focus it on how to make my wife happier, how to help my kids be happier, how to strengthen that relationship, and then uh, things tend to go well in those families.
0: It's interesting. It's almost automatic, isn't it? I mean, if you just kind of direct your attention to it, they're smart men. They can see what the needs are, but you just can't be distracted, and you have to be focused on it. So if we can get the attention there, then other things will naturally come up. What are some other principles that will just kind of naturally produce results? Like the ones that if you just focus on a few of these ideas consistently – it's gonna produce fruit
4: Um, serving people together a lot of couples think about okay I want to strengthen my relationship let's go to a movie let's go uh, let's go out to dinner let's go to this or that entertainment let's let's rent a video that's not gonna really strengthen the relationship in the ways that that, uh, men and women of substance want to strengthen now Let's strengthen our relationship. Let's go and bless someone else. Let's go and serve. Let's, with our kids, serve someone that needs her. Let's go out and do something uh, meaningful. And, again, this is why religious organizations, religious communities can be so helpful to couples is because most religious organizations, most, most congregations have a number of things that they do to try to help. And when a couple goes together and visits someone that's lonely, or brings food to someone who's hungry or uh, helps someone who needs something done in around their home, yard work. It doesn't have to necessarily be spiritual slash religious conversation yeah. or work, although that's great too. It could too. be doing a yard work. It could be anything. But when a couple serves others together, then they, and that's one reason why, I mean, it was mentioned earlier, you talked about how, Having kids can um, can be a stressor for couples. Yeah. that That's often true, especially at first. But many couples, again, especially religious couples, yeah. they learn how to see their family and their children as what they do together to serve. So they don't see this as the kids divide us. They see this as together we're serving and blessing our kids. Let's talk together. You know, let's have a couple council, a couple conversation, a couple planning meeting on a regular basis where we talk to So how are we doing? How can we get better? How can we serve others? How can we do better with our kids so that they're on the same page, that they're a team working together to, to be um, meaningfully involved with other people. And See, them.
0: well, and it's interesting, the neat thing about service, it, when you've rendered service, you feel different. And I'm assuming that if I feel different doing that and my wife feels different, my body might attach these feelings to each other so it attaches that spirit of service or that good will to each other uh, which is so beneficial
4: and then the same thing goes to serving each other so again many men might think oh I want to make my wife happy I want to strengthen our marriage I'm gonna bring her flowers I'm going to uh, light candles and we're gonna do some romance Uh, That can be okay. But even better for most women would be, I'm going to jump in there and help her. Uh I'm going to think about what I can do um, to commit myself to making her life easier. And those tend to be little things. They don't tend to be big romantic issues. Some guys tend to get a little caught up on big romantic gestures. Yeah, took her to Hawaii. Exactly. uh, uh, Because what women tend to notice and appreciate is little thoughtful things in daily life not to say that they don't also enjoy the romantic gestures those are fine too but if there's nothing but romantic gestures and there's not much help with the daily stuff that's not going to be a good recipe for it's almost like
0: it's the the big romantic gestures are the paint on the wall but you have to build the wall you have to build the building you have to build the house Everything can be pretty, yeah, but those are the ones that I see falling apart are the ones that just have a lot of prettiness yeah. with no structure. So yeah. and, it's
4: powerful. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, was it Bryce who had the little... Yeah, m- Bryce. M- the b- Bryce you know, talked about um, making sure not to use humor to be little. Yeah. And uh, we were talking a little bit, so I didn't catch everything of what he said, but that's one of those things where... Um, Sometimes the only way that some people know how to connect to other people is through humor and through kind of I'll just kidding, just joking. Yeah. Um, that's fine with your buddies. That's not fine with your wife. That's not fine with your kids. With uh, In a marriage relationship and with kids, uh, it is almost never a good idea to use humor as a way you know, to... Um, to send a message, uh, because what often happens is people say things and they really mean those things, but they say it in a sarcastic or, say, and then they say "just kidding," but they're not kidding. That's no, what they're everyone really kidding. knows. Yeah. everyone knows that they're really saying that. And with guys, okay, you kid each other. You, kind of, you know, you don't want to say "I don't like it. when you do, so you just kind of make a little joke. That's fine. Guy banter. Guy. Yeah, ta- that's yeah, yeah. the In fact, my wife taught me early on when maybe we were married three or four years, and I was kind of bantering with her, kind of guy banter. And she said, Dave, um, I think you need to go spend more time with your guy friends. I think you need to go, you know, uh, don't banter with me and don't banter with our girls. We have four (laughs) girls and three boys. Um, You know, go banter with some guys and then don't do that at home. And She's training you up. She recognized that guys might have a need to kind of do some of that. And she was right. And so I... Uh, went out and sort of did my male bantering with my guy friends, and leave my kids and my wife out of that.
0: Maybe that's the principle: is don't we, we assume that they would do it like we would? That you just want to banter. So there's a, there's got to be a i guess the principle of humility or respect enough to go deep enough to truly understand what they want. Yeah. I like the idea too of um, service. So when you're doing the service, you're you're going to fall back in love with somebody. I always hear people say, "I've fallen out of love." Give us your take on that. How? What are the spiritual principles to not have that happen? Yeah.
4: Well, people, um, I think they give way too much uh, credit or credence to the idea of feeling in love. Yeah. That's a nice feeling. It's a nice spark to start a relationship. But most people that have been married successfully 20, 30, 40 years, they feel love for each other. But more importantly, they act in loving ways with each other and toward each other. Mm-hmm. And so when people are doing loving things, meaning unselfish, kind, compassionate uh, things for each other and for others together, then those feelings of love, uh, the deep, profound joy and peace and love grow. Um, Some people are kind of addicted to being in love, addicted to romance. Addicted to the new exciting thing when you don't really know someone and when it's sort of a little bit edgy and and there's, frankly, some sexual tension there that's part of that. Um, people need to learn how to sustain love, and those feelings of you know being in love, those kind of romantic, romantic things, those are a byproduct. Mm-hmm. Those shouldn't be the, the, the goal. Product. Yeah, or, the only what, product. what you're yeah. about.
0: What's interesting when you say that because I assume I'm going to need to use and have this love into my 90s, and I'm not going to bank on this yearning chemistry till I'm 90. I'm going to need somebody that's patient and compassionate, which is I guess back to the commitment i mean if, are you committed to serve and grow in this love line upon line every day it's powerful powerful well david we're going to have you back in a minute we're going to take a break right here and i want uh when we come back we're going to wrap it up want some more of your uh, wisdom and sage advice and then i want you to give us a challenge what's the one thing that we could just get started on, so we're not overwhelmed. We don't have too much to do. What's well, one thing we're talking to Dr. David Dollaheite, a professor of family life at Brigham Young University, and uh, we're learning a lot about character, communication, and the spirit, and how this and being spiritual and the principles of of just good life and good living can change our lives and our marriages. We'll be back after this break on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
6: Connect with Matt on BYU Radio's Facebook page. And Twitter at BYU Radio.
5: Sirius XM 143.
2: BYU Radio.
6: From hypersonic spaceship hulls to your next barbecue grill?
2: Hmm. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future.
6: We started our story at the end, or what we thought was the end. It was a terrific product without a home. Developed at NASA's Ames Research Center in the early 1990s, PCCM was a very thin, ceramic-based coating designed for protecting the hull of the X-33 Venture Star space plane. But that testbed rocket never made a single flight. Design problems grounded the X-33 in its infancy, along with its advanced thermal coating system, while the search for a space shuttle replacement went on. About 10 years later, the Wessex Corporation, looking for ways to insulate furnaces and boilers more efficiently, found and licensed the NASA-developed coating. Tweaked and perfected into a commercial product called Emishield, it's finding hundreds of uses in industrial heating applications, making furnaces and ovens, refineries, and solar power plants more efficient and ecologically cleaner. The company is still expanding uses for the spaceship coating, including consumer ovens and barbecues. While the X-33 story ended early, the story of Emmy Shield thermal protection coating is just beginning. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino.
2: Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at
5: innovationnow.us. Support for BYU Radio comes from Dex. Need something local and need it now? Dex has it in the book at Dexnos.com or on your mobile phone. Current local info, reviews, and advice, Dex. Results for the here and now.
1: This'll take a while.
5: Sometimes it's better to take things slow. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview. Join Dean Duncan weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show, wrapping up today's show on marriage and how to make the most of your marriage, uh, create healthier, happier lives. And we're uh, broadcasting live from the Wilkinson Center at Brigham Young University, where they're uh, in the middle of education week uh, here on campus. Now, as, as we've been talking about marriage, we know strengthening marriage can be a difficult task. But it might even be more difficult for some to get around to the marriage part in the first place. Here's Corinne Collins reporting on what it's like to live alone and how that might be what she wants to do forever.
7: A couple of months ago, I saw an article in the New York Times titled The Freedom and Perils of Living Alone. And as a solitary liver, I decided to give it a browse only to find a shameful list of all the bad behaviours I have developed since having complete freedom in my home. While I'm not quite Kramer and washing my vegetables in the shower, I have developed secret single behaviours. You know, stuff you do when there's no one else around. And I was pleased slash horrified that some of the people mentioned in this article had done the same things. The laundry list of bad habits includes running in place during commercials, speaking in conversational French while making breakfast, singing loudly in the shower, removing only the clothes you need from the dryer, leaving clothes on the kitchen counters, leaving dishes in the sink for days on end, having house clothes that you wear when there's no one else around and change out of for visitors, staying up until the wee hours, not closing the bathroom door, talking to pets about work projects, eating meals in front of the refrigerator, subsisting on cereal alone, and eating French bread pizzas for every meal. I am guilty of almost all of these things. Does that affect my relationships and friendships? Well, since I don't live with what the article terms social checks and balances in my home, I am free to develop my quirks and have noticed that I've become pretty selfish about some things as I've lived as a solitary singleton. If a friend comes over and doesn't put my water bottle back in the fridge, or put the dishes in the sink, or put something on the wrong counter, I have to try not to say anything. I also can't take impromptu guests because I'm often dressed in house clothes instead of regular clothes. I'm also very picky about my things and I don't like anything to be displaced or moved around because I'm not used to having to accommodate anyone but myself. But would this make it difficult for me to live with someone ever again? I'm gonna say yes. I cannot imagine having to schedule shower time or to do someone else's dishes or not be in a state of undress whenever I want. These are all things that drove me to live alone in the first place but are also compromises that would have to happen were I to not be a single woman for the rest of my life which I fully intend to be, since I don't want to give up these freedoms. And having what the articles Chad Griffith terms, Days of Chad, when he's away from his significant other and drinks champagne in the shower, isn't enough. I want to be free all the time, even if it does lead me to walk out of the house with mismatched shoes. No social checks and balances, remember? because I'm completely unjudged and unfettered in my apartment space. So what I'm saying is that I enjoy my freedom and currently I'm not giving it up for anyone. And I mean anyone. Could I adjust to living with someone again? Probably, with lots of tantrums and tears. But until it absolutely needs to happen, it's not going to.
0: Oh, Coco. Good stuff there, now Coco. Uh, it's interesting. We're going to bring on Dr. David Dallahite, professor of family life at Brigham Young University, and have him respond to Coco um, or Corinne Collins, as we call her. But now Corinne has a dog named Max, and she's already given up her freedom for that dog. Interestingly, she didn't want to not she didn't want to be fettered, but uh, she has already given it up. What's your take on that, Doc?
4: On the dog part, or about the staying single part? Well,
0: there's certain benefits to getting married. Yeah. But by the um, way, some of those things she does, I do, and I'm married. So you can get away with a lot of those and be married.
4: Yeah, I think uh, the people in marriage have, uh, there's all different ways of being married. And some people, you see couples that are older and they seem like they're just uh, exactly alike and they sort of finish each other's sentences and they seem to do everything together. But there's a lot of very happy marriages in which people live pretty independently. Yeah. They, they live kind of their own, they, have, they, they work out ways to have their own space and their own Interests in their own, you know, parallel lives, but they're also happily married. Yeah, and you know, for some people that would be enough. For other people that wouldn't be enough. So I think a lot of it depends on deciding what you really need most, and then yeah. finding someone who's happy to support you in what you need and and uh, be with you in the ways that uh, that work best for you. But you
0: can negotiate the relationship yeah. and and get out of it what you need. As we wrap it up, uh, Doctor Dolahai, tell us this. What's the? I mean, there's not one thing, but if you think about it, you brought up a lot of spiritual things. So, what what are the thing? What's the thing? What's the one option, the beginning, the first step that we should really focus in on to have some more leverage?
4: Yeah, I had a um, reporter call me one time and ask about, you know, what's going on with with marriages and, and families, and how come, you know, men aren't willing to have children, and how come there's all these challenges. And I said, "Well, you probably don't want to hear what I have to say." It was from a secular magazine. I said, "I said I, I think it's uh, really ultimately a spiritual issue." She said, "No, no, spirituality is big here in California. You you can talk about spirituality. In my opinion, from what I've observed, from what all what all the research shows, those couples who are not simply working on a relationship with each other, they're also each working on a relationship with God, mm-hmm. and together they're working on getting to know God, serving God." Uh, being responsive to God's will in their life and together um, building something more than just the two of them. And that might be with children, that might be yeah. with faith community. Uh, wh- that is when couples are only focused on each other, they, they only gaze into each other's eyes and they never seek the face of God, they never together seek to bless and to serve and to love others. Yeah. Um, that marriage often tends to be... Um, Solipsistic. It tends to be kind of, it just kind of dies on itself. You've got to have new energy. You've got to have, you know, for a couple to sustain a happy relationship over decades of time, you need power greater than your own human. It's mind. almost a new we're energy.
0: You need some other energy. You need power beyond this. your
4: own. So I would say um, if you're not currently taking your faith life seriously, um, give that a try. I've worked with a lot of couples where uh, they were about to divorce, and uh, they someone convinced them to give God, give faith a chance, and they got serious about their faith, and it saved their marriage. Yeah, And it doesn't have to be I mean, people ought not to wait until things are so bad they can strengthen their marriage and their, uh, their relationship with each other by strengthening their relationship with a being who is all-knowing and all-loving and all-compassionate and, and understands exactly how to help people. And couples who do that together uh, have a depth of commitment, a depth of communion, mm-hmm. a depth of peace, a depth of ability to forgive, to grow, to love, Uh, each other that is not possible without god as part of their relationship
0: oh it just so deepens the tool set doesn't it i mean it 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 makes it infinitesimal you can now you can handle anything because you have now have an infinite context something bigger than yourself exactly something to lose yourself for dr doll appreciate it excellent insight excellent ideas um again if people want to get a hold of you they can just go look you up brigham young university dr david dollaheite and uh, really fascinating man, father of seven, four daughters by the way, grandfather of two, and uh, um, powerful stuff. Appreciate you being here, and those listeners out there. Hope you've picked up uh, some peace, some ideas as we've kind of uh, just probably barely just skimmed the surface of marriage, relationships, and family. And it's interesting too. I loved how he brought in the spiritual stuff. It, you, sometimes you just overlook some of those spiritual components. Um, Having a really powerful charity or a really powerful cause can also bring that spirit in, as can just getting back to your basic uh, belief systems, your core beliefs, some of your scriptures, um, whatever your faith or your religion. Uh, there is power there. And again, as we've talked about on the show so many times, there's an essence inside of us, uh, each one of us. Again, as, as we do this show, our goal is to help you reach down deep inside, find that great spirit, the spirit that's inside of you, and connect it to to others and serve the world and connect to your God above so folks thanks for listening to us we so enjoy you listening again we're here Monday through Friday three o'clock five o'clock eastern time and also seven o'clock eastern time and tomorrow morning you can listen to us again at 6 a.m eastern time as well thanks for joining us we'll be back tomorrow right here on the Matt Townsend show on Sirius XM 143 BYU radio
3: Sirius XM
2: 143.
5: BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2 Provo
3: Today's thinking aloud originally aired in 2012
2: The following is a production